I'm Ted Baker. This is the Hobart Lacrosse Podcast, Episode 63, coming off another difficult one-goal loss, this one to St. Joe's in Philadelphia. And looking ahead to the Richmond Spiders, Saturday at Boswell Field, we're joined by the head coach of the Statesman, Greg Raymond. Welcome back. Hey, Ted. Thanks, brother. I think in terms of character and grit and fight and just digging in and making plays, despite the fact you came up short, I, I thought that's one of the better, tougher most complete games I've ever seen one of your teams play. Well, well, thanks, Ted. I appreciate that. You know, I think we had uh, a pretty uh, similar sentiment um, after the game. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm proud to say that I've taught these guys pretty well or, or, or well enough to the point where, you know, they understand that moral victories at this level really – don't cure the pain that losing brings, you know, you can, you can talk about those things and we did. And, you know, I think that, uh, um, one of the messages, if not the most important going into this game was what type of fighter mentality we needed to have and, um, how physical we needed to be and how fierce we needed to be and all facets of our game. So, um, and I'm glad that they, or I'm, I'm proud that they executed those things. But I think I'm even more proud of the fact that, um, you know, I think playing well is not where our guys want to be and not uh, how from a senior class and a, a fifth-year senior, uh, they want to leave this legacy. Our guys are still very hungry and um, want to uh, want to play well, Ted want to play tough, want want you and some other people to say those things after a game, but but also tack it on to a win. I won't dwell too much on stripes and stuff, but i got to get into it a little bit. The first thing is, there was no explanation. What happened on the play where their goalie runs out to midfield, Michael Christensen checks him out of bounds, on the restart they throw a flag, then there's a timeout, and we come back out of the timeout and there's no penalty. So... The uh, the flag was the delay of game that if you watch, um, you know, Bradley Simus does a very good job uh, picking the ball up, putting the ball back into play. That's one of our one of our next play mentalities is if, you know, a team's pretty lazy about, um, you know, giving you a five yard buffer, which was in that in that rule book. It's usually a pretty easy call for an official that if we pick the ball up, put it back into play quickly and um and they don't give us enough space in order to make that next play transition, then that, that's a foul. So we got that penalty, but the ref said um, from across the field that uh, St. Joe's had called a timeout before that uh. delay of game happened. So if they uh, – and if they did, if they called a dead ball timeout, then um, in turn that delay of game doesn't really exist. So that's uh, that's one call that I think – um, what, that that's one singular call Ted, that I think they did pretty accurately. It seemed to me, and I, you know, I, I try not to be looking through my Hobart colored glasses all the time. It just seemed to me in the second half, in particular, that the way the flags were thrown every time your team made what looked like a game changing play, a great takeaway or something, or you get possession, chance to tie, chance to go ahead, the flag would fly. I mean, it, it just it the numbers were close. And there were just a few mystery ones, too, where the flag flies and we're looking around saying, okay, who hit who? Yeah, you know, I think um, the the physicality of that game and, and the chippiness of that game was, 
a typical Hobart St. Joe's game. And, you know, I think you felt it from the start. Obviously, we would have liked to have started that game defensively much different. But, um, you know, you see, you know, a couple of their guys uh, with some some history with a couple of our guys. They, you know, they hold some sticks off ball and and um, they're they're very physical defensively. Um, I think they like to chirp a little bit. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I think our guys like a couple of our guys like to do that as well, even though we tell them repeatedly not to. Um, but the point was, Ted, you know, that what they were allowing from a physicality or an off ball standpoint wasn't consistent. So, you know, what, what, what was a, a flag in the fourth quarter uh, maybe wasn't in the first or vice versa. Maybe there were some calls in the first quarter that they didn't call in the fourth. So, you know, I think one, one thing we always talk about and, and officials never determine outcomes, but um, I do think, those guys having the ball man up repeatedly to start that fourth quarter. I mean, we didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter because of uh, the impact of the officials whistle until about halfway through that quarter. And in a one goal game, obviously that's a big impact, but you know, officials still never determine outcomes. I, you know, our guys need to know that. And, and I really do believe that, um, you know, but it gets difficult to coach the, as we, as we talk to the officials throughout the game, you know, calls have to be consistent if they if they are then after the game it's well that's the way they called that game so that as game goes on i can say to my guys hey adam here's the deal with the whistles here's the deal with the the counters at the faceoff x here's where da 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 guys off ball if they're doing these things the official just told me you can't do this or ball those that just wasn't really happening i, I think you know one of the officials, I, I I think, onto a car accident. Ted, he came late, and so he was a little bit rattled. And and uh, so up and down the field, there were a lot of calls that, um, you know, tried to tried to maintain balance of the game because of how physical and and energetic it was. But also, there was some inconsistency in what was called and what wasn't. So you know, what what you can draw it up to is uh, basically flat out. Hobart didn't make enough plays to win that game. Let's start at the beginning of the game. They get out to a 4 nothing lead. You use two timeouts in the first half of the first quarter. But I I didn't really feel like you were playing poorly at the, that time. Zach Cole was doing some face-offs. You, you spent a lot of time on defense. Uh, what were you saying during those timeouts to get things turned back around? Well, the first was that we weren't doing what we talked about doing. And, you know, I think one of the most frustrating things as a coaching staff is, is you know, when you put a plan together and, and you understand exactly what's coming, and we know St. Joe so well that, um, you know, we, we understood how how much they wanted to attack uh, from a face-off perspective. One, one thing we know where they're most dangerous is with their best player, number seven, Zach Cole. And so, um, and they create a ton of offense from the face-off. So we prepare all week for that, and then we give up a goal right off the bat of something that we've prepared for every day and talked about every day. And, um, you know, some things from an end-to-end standpoint. The next thing you need to prevent from the St. Joe's um, Hawks is their defense to offense transition. And, you know, that that's where they play fastest is the face off to O, the D to O. And so we talked about that all week and, and our crash scenarios and how to get in the hole. And we give up two goals right off the bat um, that uh, um, are very challenging to swallow as a coaching staff. So you bring in the group and you say, listen, we, we need to do what we talked about doing. You know, it's one thing, Ted, that, 
you'll hear me say a ton in a huddle, in a locker room, wherever, is do what you say you're going to do. Or as a competitor and a teammate, you ain't worth a crap. You know, it's easy to say a lot of things, but it's very difficult to do them. And we, we want to be about our action, not about our words. And so that's you need to correct that. Let's make sure the passion of the game and the energy of the game and our guys were very into it. You could see the look in their eyes. It's like, okay, this is great. And you're very, you're very into this game emotionally, but now we have to be composed and poised so that we can execute. And so um, I think our guys did a really good job. Uh, we talk about, and it's the model for the rest of the year is staying in the fight. And from a division one end of the year standpoint, I think no matter what the sport, Ted, you got to have fighters. You got to have guys that are calloused. You got to have guys that, I mean, our roster's banged up. We're bruised. We're, we have guys in and out of lineups all week. Um, there's a lot that could distract us from just fighting. And so when we brought that group in, we said, first, let's do what we said we were going to do. All right, let's execute these things well. Uh, yes, coach. Okay. And also, uh, I mean, you got to stay in this fight, man. We got to start swinging, and um, and if we're gonna if we're gonna battle throughout the rest of this year, we got to learn that fighter's mentality for sure. And you did exactly that from the point it was four nothing. They're a top ten in the country offense. They scored two goals in the next twenty three minutes. I've never seen Hobart defense like that. Man on man communications, slides, doubling doubling without leaving anybody open. I, I thought that was some of the greatest defensive lacrosse I've seen. Well, thanks, Ted. Uh, you know, and, and, and I do appreciate these compliments. I think, um, you know, a big, a big point of scrutiny for this team all year has been the defense, right? And preventing goals. Uh, what are the different ways we can do that? How does the offense help the defense? How does uh, our face-off unit help the defense? How does our ride help the defense and, and create very few unearned goal scoring opportunities? That's, that's, what we've transitioned into, we, we, we got to make sure that we make our opponent earn their goals. And so, you know, I think, um, it's a team we match up pretty well with, you know, I think Nolan Firth did a phenomenal job on number eight, uh, uh, the Levi Anderson kid, who's, who's, uh, who's a great player and a very physical player. I think he saw who Nolan Firth really was and, and who we know he is. And I'm not sure there's a, a fiercer competitor, uh, in the conference than Nolan Firth. And, and, you know, you get the game of Michael Christensen that uh, he's been pretty steady all year, but that's the game he can play, that it's he takes people out of games. And and the, the Christensen-Bomer matchup is one that's always been in our favor. And uh, for some reason, he's got his number and, um, and can do a really good job one-on-one with him. And I also thought, you know, Chad Bach, Bobby Baltzer, if we're going to play great defense, Ted, our short six have got to play great D on the ball. And, and that's just the way that it goes. And Chad's battling through some some pain and and some some ailment and he's a warrior for us um and we're hopeful that he'll be able to do a lot of the same this week he's a he's a day-to-day guy but if you have athletes like that on the field that can defend the ball pretty well we like who we are so uh yes it was a good day we felt like a lot of things came together defensively and um you know are 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 talking about the message we need in order to to make sure we do it again this week carter page i think he had had six goals in his last two games held to one goal and you could see the frustration on him i mean you just shut down an elite scorer yeah i think if you're going to beat st joe's at least this year um, you have to be disruptive in that face-off offense like we talked about, and you also have to you make sure Carter Page doesn't beat you. Um, 
I think they have a lot of great moving parts, but I, I really think, I think I said this last week in the podcast that I think he, he, he was the piece that, you know, St. Joe's is really always missing to make the, to make their offense click because you could always support the ball and, and, uh, and help out with these great Dodgers. They've always had these big, strong guys and, and make them move it. But now with him off ball and him inside, you got to think about the ways you do that in order to make sure he's not on the finishing end of all those support systems. So um, I thought Max Horton was awesome. I thought he made a ton of great slide decisions and a great, good, timely slide decisions. And so, uh, and Jackson Galliani comes in, you know, Max goes down with another injury. And um, so uh, Max, uh, Jackson Galliani comes in and plays a great game as a freshman and does a lot of good things late in that game. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, if we're, if we're going to um, put ourselves in a category of playing a great defensive game, it's, it's executing the things that you're prepared for. And I think our guys were very prepared to, uh, to limit Carter Page's impact. Key moment in this game, 527 in the third. You take a two-minute cross-check. They go two men up. They score in eight seconds, and everybody says, uh-oh. But then that man-down unit just pulled itself together and said, that's it, no more. It, it, they did. You know, Josh Doobie, um, uh, Marcus Trujillo, Michael Christensen, um, you know, Kyle Driscoll again. Playing, playing a little bit banged up. You know, I hope our fans, and, and you know, our fa- I know our families know, but, you know, our alums and our fans just, you know, see that for some reason, again, this year, just the, the, the way the season's wearing down on us, we've got a ton of our key players that um, have to fight at 75, 80% on game day. And, uh, you know, a couple of those man down guys are a part of that. So, um, yeah, very, very proud of that stand, Ted. I thought that that was you know, one of the turning points in the game, and and we're hopeful one of the turning points in the season. And then after that goal, you get a Troy Barthelme goal. He played another great game. That made it a one-goal game. And then uh, ball goes out 1.1 left in the quarter, and Will Delano just smokes a pass to Bradley Simus, who rips it home. What a play. What a play, and those are the plays that, you know, in conference postseason, uh, in conference where postseason implications are there, that you need. You need a couple, you know, against great defenses and great goalies, Ted, you need a couple goals that, um, you know, you don't typically get. And so you need your goalie to make some saves he doesn't typically make. Uh, you need all of those in-betweeners to kind of come your way a little bit. And so uh, we're, we're, we're as shocked as we are pleased that that ball went in the goal and, and Bradley got a stick on it. But, yeah, you fight to the last second at Hobart here. And so uh, proud that our guys kept that next play mentality. So down a goal at the end. Uh, they win the faceoff with 2.05 left to go. Uh, two shots wide. Defense, again, just uh, digs in, gets a shot clock violation. You get the ball. And, and I was saying, to me, in that situation, I want Bradley Simons taking a shot because he can shoot with sticks in the way. He can smoke one. He hits the pipe, and you're two yeah. inches away from tying it. Yeah. Um, so, oh, and you know, so you got your your hands free with An- Anthony Detalis to tie the game against High Point. You know, and, and barely misses the goal. Uh, uh, you know, a couple inches away, and then you get uh, you know Brad Simus, and you know we put Chad out there to um, who's who's struggling with some things offensively in terms of how his body's working but um goes out there and does a great job as a little bit of a decoy and and sets a good hard 
pick for Brad, um, you know, play that. And Coach Brundage felt the same way you did, Ted. It was, you know, let's get the ball to 21 and, uh, you know, let him sweep over the top with his strength and a strong hand and, and see if, you know, one of, one of our best players and the best midfielders in this conference can make a play. And so, um, unfortunately, it didn't go our way. And then, you know, I think the message, Ted, is the, the, the kind of the, um, any given Sunday game of inches thing. It's like after the game, you know, where are you going to put yourself this next coming week in order to make sure that those hands-free shots or those shots that are maybe a little bit contested or that ground ball that's, you know, a little bit out of your reach or whatever it may be, um, that they go our way on, on this coming Saturday, that if your hands are free, that ball does go in the goal with the game on the line or, um, you know, whatever scenario you want to draw up, that's where we're at. You know, we're at a scenario, we're at a situation where um, our guys need to to see the position that they're in, need to put themselves in there visually throughout the course of the week, and um, need to execute Monday to Friday, um, maybe a little bit on their own, uh, specifically in practice, with film, with our scouting report, um, you name it, in order to make sure that when the game is on the line, um, we're prepared to to execute that 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 last tiny bit of an inch that we haven't been able to these last couple of weeks. You mentioned to tell us the week before he was out. Uh, can you tell us anything about him for this week? Uh, as you know, as Chad and and Drip and and um, you know Johnny, uh, you know a couple of these a uh, couple of these quote unquote uh, very impact players. It's it's a it's a day to day thing, man. He's yeah. uh, he's working he's working hard to get back. Um, if we can get a couple decent practices in uh, before Richmond, then we're gonna we're gonna throw him to the fire. And you know, there's one that uh, I mean, you know, Ted. No matter what the scenario, if Anthony has to go, um, he's gonna give us his best. So we're hopeful that he'll be okay. But we're uh, we're waiting and seeing. One more thing on St. Joe's before we move on to Richmond. Ellis Wilson, best game of his career. Not only number of saves, thirteen, but just top quality saves against elite shooters again and again when you needed them yeah i think if you talk about a fighter's mentality ted that you know when it's for nothing um they they get a fast break after that timeout they get a fast break forward at the face-off facts the very next play after the timeout they throw it to carter page and um you know, Maxie's all over him. That's the player that Carter Page is, and and Max did a good job. Was prepared for that moment. He knew he wasn't sliding off of him. He catches the ball and goes low to high off hip, and Ellis takes a step out to attack that ball and makes a uh, blank eight yard save on the best scorer on their team. I felt like that yeah. was the fighter, and that shifted the game. Is you know a first year in the goal. Um, when you just gave up four, steps up, gets the next play, and just snags the ball off hip and off shoulder high and gets it going the other way. That that was the turning point for me. And so we're we're proud of him, man. And and uh, you know, the Tiger King as some guys are calling him. I think he's got a he's got a tiger tattoo and our yeah. guys aren't very clever. Our guys are yeah. very clever, Ted. So he's uh he, he's he's uh he's a competitor for sure. And it's one thing we keep telling him compete first, save the ball second. You know, if you're focused too much on stopping the ball, you're not competing against your opponent. And if you're competing against your opponent, the way that his mind works and his body works, he'll just be a better goaltender. So hopeful his best is still yet to come. All right, the Richmond Spiders, Saturday at the boss, 7-4, and 2-1 in the league. 
they lost at St. Joe's by two. You lost at St. Joe's by one. They're in the middle of the pack in the A10 in about everything. I mean, it's it's this is a it's a winnable game. It's a losable game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a one goal game again. Yeah, same with us. You know, I think statistically, uh, the one place where they they really have us, and 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 you and I have talked a bunch about how misleading statistics are, Ted. So you know, obviously, it's a um, uh, a day of the game thing, and this can go. They've shown they can score eighteen goals. They've shown they can score nine or ten. Uh, they've shown they give up goals. They've shown they hold teams to six or seven. What we know about them is, you know, they're a exact replacement of Bryant with like a little bit more uh, casual play, just a touch more. You know, Bryant, those guys are such robots, or they were with, you know, we used to call it, you know, playing a football team. It was first down, second down, third down, fourth down, the way they ran their offense. And, you know, if they go up two, they're definitely going to zone. Um, they're great at the faceoff X, great in the goal, blah, blah, blah. Richmond is a lot of the same with with a little bit more cre- creativity and a few a few better players um maybe you know i think the uh um uh, the attackmen that they have are great you know they have a couple midfielders that require your support but they are very deliberate you know i think one thing we've seen in them is that they do not make a ton of mistakes so what you don't see in a um you know, a goal scoring category or, you know, a face-off category that blows you away or yada, yada, whatever you see in the fact that they have long possessions. They don't turn the ball over a ton. Um, they got a steady goalie, you know, their defense is, is old school with, we, we slide when we're beat. We, you know, we don't slide when we don't need it. They're, they're all, any and everywhere in between from a good standpoint. So all the things we're going to get, we're going to need to earn. And um, But we also got to get this team off balance a bit and make sure that they're not comfortable on Boswell Field on our senior day um, in a Hall of Fame weekend that you know this pace is, has got to be Hobart's. If it's Richmond's, you'll see a lot of half field. Um, you'll see a lot of grinding the defense down. You'll see a lot of inside out play and forcing bad shots. If it's a, if it's a Hobart, day you're going to see us up and down the field running a little bit and um, trying to get them as uncomfortable as possible because when they're comfortable they're pretty good. I'm going to back up for a second because one thing I didn't mention about the St. Joe's game is that you struggled quite a bit with their 10-man ride. Do you think is Richmond going to look at that and try that and and if so what do you do to do better against the 10-man? Uh, well, they they do ten man a bit, you know, not as much as St. Joe, and I think we're gonna um, we're gonna anticipate them ten man at a ton. So, um, y- you know, and and in the struggle, Ted, we actually only you know we fail clear twice, or sorry, three times. One of them is in the fourth quarter when it seemed like that whole momentum was going their way and and all that stuff. But you know, I think our guys are veteran with the ten man, but we need to know where our looks are in order to be better with it. So, especially when you're low on a clock. You know, we still got guys that feel like if it's a low clock, I'm just going to run through four people. That's obviously not how it works. You know, the play in a 10-man is, are they leaving the goal open or are they not? And if they're not, you look to the corners of that zone, you look to the corners uh, where where the goaltender is and make that guy make a defensive play, or you got to look to the goal to make a play there. So we're going to train our guys uh, a bunch today to make sure that they, they have the right reads and the right looks um, when that when that time's winding down or you're up against it against the 10-man. Most of the fans know uh, two of the best guys for Richmond are named Madonna. Did you try to get Lance here? Um, when we were recruiting? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Lance is a great player. And, um, you know, and we had 
a great relationship with Derek and, and a great relationship with, with the family. So, um, you know, very honestly, competing against one of ours um, in, in a game with such high implications is, uh, you know, it doesn't sit well. I know it doesn't sit well with our guys and, and, and we're pretty upset about it. We're trying to find, we're trying to make sure we find a way to, to not let that impact the emotion and the connection to this game. Um, you know, it's just, in my opinion, Ted, and you've, you've heard me talk about this a lot. It's everything that's wrong with our sport. You know, it's that, um, guys can go someplace for a year and, and, uh, just bounce around all over the map. And, and, um, it's happening like crazy and, uh, we're going to continue to fight it, you know, but you look at St. Joe's a week ago and, you know, the guy that scores the game winning goal for them is Wagner's best player. Yeah. And, um, and that's, uh, and that's a bummer. Now it's also great to know that, um, you know, they, they need to bring in people from, from other programs in order to beat us. And, uh, we still need to play much better, but, uh, you know, Derek's our guy, man. And, uh, and he was for a while and he was, a, he was a great player for us, a very impactful player for us. So, um, two of the, those two guys are going to, um, hopefully be very uncomfortable on Boswell field. And, uh, I know that, um, uh, our guys are, uh, anxious to, to, to have the opportunity to show number eight for Richmond, what he's missing out on. As we back up and look at the big picture, I know you don't go for moral victories, but you have one win in this league and two one-goal losses, one to the team picked to win it, another one picked to be a contender. I mean, do you feel like you've made a point to the A-10 that, hey, this Hobart team, we can't just circle a W when we face these guys? Uh, yeah, not yet. I think I think we need a big win. You know, I feel the same as we did uh, when we first started the NEC and, um, well, when we started the NEC, you know, we, we got all the wins we were supposed to, to a degree. Um, you know, the first season was rocky for sure, but, you know, and then, um, we got to those places where, uh, we were beating those teams consistently. And then when Bryant St. Joe's and Robert Morris came around, it was, you know, kind of always that one goal. And, and if, uh, we didn't figure out it, figure it out in the end, it was, you know, a one goal loss. It, there's just the the similarities, Ted. It's really uncanny the the way we feel about, you know, Bryant and Richmond. The way we feel about uh, Robert Morris and High Point, and you know, like the uniqueness in those programs, and and the deliberateness in those programs. And then, you know, St. Joe's is St. Joe's, and um, we feel like UMass is a lot like us. You know, with an underdog mentality and and some nameless great faces on that team and and um, yada yada. So I uh, I I do believe we've we've earned respect across the country in terms of what we're capable of. If you do just if if you do play poorly against Hobart or you don't give us your full attention, I think um, we do continue to put out good products on the field. But you know, if we're going to make a statement in this league, uh, I think a win on Saturday is going to be a big part of that. All right, let's show Richmond Saturday what uh, Boswell Field Lacrosse is all about. Uh, Coach Greg Raymond with the Statesman. Uh, This is the Hobart Lacrosse Podcast, Episode 63. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you go to get your podcasts. And, of course, all your athletics information is on the website, hwsathletics.com. Coach, thanks as always. Uh, Let's make something special happen Saturday. Appreciate it, brother.